So I guess the fact that Steve Pierce hits Chris Sale well is suddenly relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Batista's reputation around the game is kind of like, you know, Danny Valencia-esque. It might be more of a problem. And now everyone's thinking it's like he's going to end up with the Indians. The Indians don't have any money if he ends up there. It's like he took a big haircut. And welcome once again to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 39, where we are happy to be exempt from the international signing rules in the new CBA. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight not only by Joshua Housem. Hey, Josh. Yo. But Nick Dyka is going to sit in with us again. Nick, welcome back to the show. Greg, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, no problem. So do, does me coming back have anything to do with the, the new CBA? You guys had to had to wait for the new CBA to come out and just make sure there was nothing precluding me from from joining once again. Uh, you yeah, want to go over the luxury tax? Yeah, there's a well. <laughs> see, there was an expanded <laughs> roster question, and we had it answered. And it turns out three still under the limit. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys didn't go with yet another reliever. That would have been maddening. Well, you're kind of a reliever. You relieve me of the need to talk for <laughs> one third of the. <laughs> One third of the evening. Uh, Well, hopefully, hopefully, I can be like a multiple, multiple inning reliever, at least, not Uh, not a loogie. We are going to talk about a loogie possibly later on, and uh, just so people know, we are also going to talk about Steve Pierce, uh, Edwin Encarnacion, Chris Sale, Ian Desmond, Dexter Fowler, Jose Bautista, Chris Iannetta, Brett Oberholzer. Woo! Um, We have a cliche. (laughs) We have a do-over. And we probably have a final thought, so we're going to try and pack... Uh, now, the bonus here is not every name I mentioned is like last edition where I had to explain that those were just a bunch of people that did not sign with the Blue Jays <laughs> and play with us. <laughs> so, uh, at the risk of overusing the same joke over and over again, Pierce, Pierce! Uh, we have Steve Pierce. What good is he? He's good. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the the biggest value of Pierce is that he can really hit left-handed pitching. He's just, you know, he has a uh, last year he had an OPS over a thousand against them, and in his career it's about eight fifty. And then he can play first, he can play left, he can play right, and in a pinch he can play second or third. He's he's just a really useful player to have on a roster. Is he kind of like and, Ben Zobris light? I mean, like ultra light. Uh, yeah, well, ultra light is probably good. I mean, the difference is between Pierce and Zobers. Zobers actually good at all the positions he can play, and he can play the middle infield. Pierce is not that. And he, Alan Pierce is a bit injury prone, but interestingly, as like the lefty masher, he's still a better hitter against righties than Justin Smoke. Not a high bar to clear, if <laughs> no, I may say so. But he does. And actually, the last three years, his OPS against righties is eight eleven. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm personally not too concerned about the Jays kind of like lefty struggles last year. Um, I remember even during the wildcard game, uh, there was an article on Fangraphs and they were talking about who the Jays should start, whether they should go with Stroman or Liriano because the Orioles had struggled against left-handed pitching. And uh, I think it was Jeff Sullivan wrote it and he was talking about how even with, 
even with the Orioles' struggles against lefties, there's still a good chance it's going to normalize, even though it's already been a 162 games worth of uh, sample size. And so I think Toronto does, doesn't need to worry about and, and, you know, signing Pierce obviously suggests they might be a little concerned with it, but I don't think they need to worry about their performance against lefties last year. I, I think guys like Tulo and Donaldson, are, they're going to come around next year. Um, and well, so, I mean, I, I don't know that they're really necessarily doing that, though. I mean, it seems like they just want a guy to platoon with smoke and who could fill in elsewhere. He's just, I mean, you know, the San Morales is a switch hitter and they lost two righties. So it just seems like they're trying to fill up their roster, really. Right. I, I, I guess I just, you know, we kept hearing they were, they were kind of pushing the line of like getting a little more versatile. And I guess I just kind of read that to mean a little more left-handed. I think there's a recency bias seeing that Cleveland was so good with the platoon and then everyone's like, Oh, they got a switch hitter and they got a guy who hits like, Oh, this must be a platoon thing. And they're going to be like Cleveland. I'd say, no, relax. Uh, Pierce was available. He's, he's versatile. And Morales was a much I mean, he was an available option, and he was cheap, um, As whereas Edwin, well, we're going to get to Edwin in a minute. Um, Edwin was neither of those things, apparently, when they went asking. So I, <laughs> I, maybe it looks like they're doing one thing, and they're, they're not quite, they're just taking opportunities, and they happen to look like one thing. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean, that's how I'd probably look at it, too. I mean, especially in the context of this whole, it's like, you know, the, the with the Orioles thing, with righties that hit lefties, I mean, Basically, the, the, the idea is just we get more left-handed batters so that they could hit righties better. I don't think that the ownership, the, not ownership, the front office is really overreacting to the struggles against left-handed pitching. All right. Yeah, I, I'd hope not. So, <laughs> well, what, what they have not done, though, is uh, jump back in the Edwin Encarnacion end of the pool, and it looks like that end of the pool might be full um, because now you have uh, Justin Smoke and you have... Um, Pierce, and you have Morales, and <laughs> they'd all like to stand at first base from time to time and play DH. Uh, not that Pierce isn't more flexible, but ultimately, he's a first baseman first, right? So, that kind of leaves nowhere for for Edwin to go. Now, we'll get in later to exactly how badly that's been handled, but is this the end of the line for Edwin Encarnacion for real? Nick, I'll let you take that one first. I mean, I think think it is uh you know unless unless something unless i can't see his price dropping so far that the jays would be able to justify getting involved again in in trying to sign him um so i i think you know it's it's probably 99 percent that that they're gonna have to move on from him and i guess you know it just kind of illuminates that the problem with acting early uh, when there's a dearth of options available is you might not be able to take advantage of dropping prices because, you know, it feels now like you could get Edwin for a pretty reasonable price. And that could be, you know, that could be untrue or that just could be media generated kind of takes on it. But it seems like right now that Edwin could have been available at a price that makes you feel like the the options the Jays did go with to kind of act early were not necessarily the the most ideal in this market anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you said dearth. It's more of a wealth. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just just giving you a hard time. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just have to look both know, of those up later. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah. well, it's it's interesting that 
what, what you said is 100% true, right? It's like they, they signed this guy early and then sort of locked in. It's like, okay, they can't capitalize on the falling prices, et cetera, right? But on the flip side of that, once Edwin said no to their four years, $80 million offer, they're probably like, okay, well, now we know we need to get bats here, 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 and here. Let's get one right away so we can be more flexible with the other ones. Because I don't think anybody, I mean, we'll definitely get into this a bit later, but anybody saw Edwin's market going cratering the way it has or apparently has. So it's kind of a, you know, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't kind of thing. I guess for me, the the thing that would have made more sense is if they acted this way with outfielders, because there's fewer outfielders on the market, but there's so many first base DH types, um, which mm-hmm. I guess just made me think like, even yeah, even if Edwin does say he turns down their initial offer, as we're led to believe he did, there's still so many options uh, available and none of them have kind of come off the board other than than Beltran and, and Holiday. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it would have made more sense if they had kind of taken this approach to outfield. Cause it's understandable. The Jays have so many holes that I, I get why the front office would want to act quickly to fill some of them, uh, because there's just a lot to fill. And when you're trying to do it through free agency where players don't have to take your money, it, it can be a big challenge. So I, I do get it. It was just kind of perplexing to me why first base was the the place they decided to start uh, filling them quickly. I think, though, interestingly, I think fans would be absolutely out of their minds at this point if the Jays had signed nobody by now. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of and, what, you know, if, if you're waiting to sign Edwin first, you really have signed almost nobody by now because you don't know what the cost is of Edwin. And it could be anywhere from obviously 15 million to 25 million dollars a year depending on how things shake out if you're waiting on the market uh, that's dangerous yeah and just a quick note regarding the outfielders i just think you can't do that with the outfielders because as you mentioned it's kind of a scarce resource those guys aren't going to sign right at the top right in the first few weeks of free agency and they didn't um yeah quite the chess game um so <laughs> the other side of the chess game of course is the trade game which has changed uh the complexion of a, of a bunch of other teams already so we'll go with chris sale uh the white Sox are are committing some sort of uh suicide i don't know they're they're they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're just dropping parts everywhere in order to get better in two or three years and there's no secret about it so the the first piece to move was chris sale uh, who is now a Red Sox? I has. You know, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. On the last <laughs> podcast, I, was, I, I said I predicted the Jays are going to make moves and force us to do a, a podcast this week, but it wasn't the Pierce move. It was the Chris Sale one. <laughs> that was the tipping point for sure. Uh, so I guess the fact that Steve Pierce hits Chris Sale well is suddenly relevant. <laughs> <laughs> More relevant than it was. Um, it- yeah. So I, I will I will reference your piece on BP, which uh, I must confess I have not read yet. But it says that maybe the Blue Jays rotation stacks up still pretty well against the amazing Red Sox rotation. It's okay. It's thirty six hundred words, so I don't <laughs> mind you not having read it yet. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they, the Red Sox have the names, right? They've got Chris Sale, they got David Price, they have the reigning Cy Young winner, <clears throat> Rick Porcello. Was he not dog meat two years ago? Wasn't that the whole point? Yes, he was. Okay. 
you know, but the Jays guys are really good, and there's a lot of reasons that they were really good. So, like, if you, I, I, I mean, like I said, 3,600 words of analysis there, but essentially it works out is, you know, if everybody stays healthy and does what they probably should do, the rotations are almost exactly the same. Yeah, I think you mentioned this too in your in your piece, Josh. The big caveat, though, is staying healthy because the Jays did get really lucky last year in terms of being able to run with their top five guys. And if something does break wrong for them, though, I think the Sox definitely have an advantage in in being able to go to Stephen Wright and and Buckholtz and um, yeah, they've got they've got a guy in the high minors too, right? Oh, Henry Owens. Um, who's kind of like Boston Drew Hutchinson, so he's no no great shakes, but um, <laughs> I, that that might be where the the advantage lies for the Red Sox. Even it's it's not the top five; it's it's outside that top five in, in the depth. Has anybody ever done it? Uh, this guy is like Drew Hutchinson for this team comp before. Is that? God, I hope not. <laughs> that might be the first time I've ever heard that. They, they do it right before they're DFAing them. Yeah, this guy's just <laughs> or, like, wait, no. We trade them to take on prospects and better yeah. pitchers. Love you, Hutch. Nothing personal. Uh, yeah. We love you because you got us Liriano. But, I mean, Chris Sale is obviously it's a big, big pickup for Boston. I mean, it's one of the top five pitchers in baseball. And they paid through the nose. I mean, they gave the arguably the best hitting prospect in baseball, you know, a really good pitching prospect who throws apparently 103, 104 miles an hour. But, I mean, they got Chris Sale. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it is. <clears throat> sorry, I think it's um un unreported or undiscussed part of the trade that yes, you have to face Chris Sale potentially three or four more times than you would have otherwise. Uh, but you don't have to really figure out how to deal with Yuan Moncada if he turns out to be a a superstar, uh, because he's out there in the AL Central. And I, you know, yes, the the, the Sox got better, and they the Sox have a lot of outfielders, but that's that's a depth piece that. Apparently, he is the best prospect in baseball that you don't have to worry about anymore as the Blue Jays. So I, I think that's an, you know, that is a factor in the trade that m- means it's not all a negative for them. For the Jays, you mean? Yeah, for the Jays. Yeah, you, I mean, Moncada's not really ready, so I don't know how much it would have come into play this year, but for the future, for sure. This is, this is they call this bargaining, right? That's what stage is this? Is that what <laughs> yeah, call it? yeah, it's bargaining. Don't worry, I'll get, I'll get to acceptance by opening day. It's, it's all good. Uh, should we talk about the Rockies? Yeah, I think you have to. The, the Rockies <laughs> are some kind of foggy, mysterious organization. The Rockies had the first unprotected pick in the draft, the eleventh pick, uh, and they opted to to forfeit that pick in order to sign Ian Desmond. Ex- someone explain how that works. I'll give it to Josh if you want to explain why they did that. Drugs? Really, <laughs> really good drugs? <laughs> I, I don't get it. Okay? <laughs> they gave up the 11th pick in the draft to sign Ian Desmond to a five-year, $70 million contract. You know, he has decent value for putting him at short, putting him at second, putting him in one of the outfields, probably center field. He's playing first base right now for them. Yeah, I He's don't think that explains why they play did first that, really. That's, uh, that made it just as mysterious as before. Uh, we'll give it... Okay, you try, Nick. Why did they do that? Maybe somebody in the analytics department in Colorado values strikeouts, like batter strikeouts, more than, <laughs> than other teams or something, and like 
yeah, I, I, I don't get it at all, too, especially, you know, I mentioned it before, but there's so many first basemen on the market. Um, and basically none of them aside from, well, Desmond wasn't a first baseman when we became a free agent, but none of them have draft pick compensation attached to them. Yeah, it is so perplexing. Um, nobody can explain it. I don't, yeah. No, I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't think the, anybody the, knows. The thought process is now that like they're going to trade one of their four other outfielders and then try to address first base another way. Why not just sign a first baseman? <laughs> Okay. Now, I, that, now that I they know they and, have a surplus too, oh, they're going to get less to, if they do try to trade one. Can I back up a whole year? Ian Desmond was a free agent last year, right? Coming from the Nationals, correct? Yeah. And, and he had draft pick compensation attached to him. Hmm? And nobody in baseball would sign him <laughs> before mm-hmm. the deadline came. So he got a year older. He went from playing shortstop to the outfield to first base, and he became more attractive to the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> yeah, it, I, it's just so strange. So I say bring the, me cargo. Uh, yeah, cargo. or Charlie Blackman, or, well, they're not going to ta- trade David Dahl, but I mean, just they have to trade an outfielder. It just doesn't make any sense. But, you know, and signing him didn't make any sense, so who knows? <laughs> They they might they might trade Dahl like just based on you know the the Being Desmond dumb? signing he might like Dahl might get on base too much for Colorado they might they <laughs> might need to move. It's, somebody had to take over Arizona's complete nonsense position in the National League so I guess uh, the Padres were too busy selling people to take the nonsense uh, so we get the Rockies it's very cool uh, so that would move us on to. If we do not get the Rockies outfielder who is traded for prospects, because I don't think the Jays have a lot of prospects, that came up actually in the... What's the other trade I'm forgetting? Adam Eaton. The Adam Eaton trade, which uh, briefly uh, Mark Shapiro and... I, I don't know which one said it, but the, he said... Atkins. Atkins said we didn't have the prospects to get Eaton. Full stop. Which makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, as good as the system is in terms of depth, there's a lot of guys that are look like they should be good major league players. They don't have the stars like Lucas Giolito or Ronaldo Lopez who headlined that deal. Right. So they're, the Jays are back looking at free agent Fowler, who um, there's been some questions about why we're all so excited about Fowler since he's coming off of a career year and will be very expensive. Is it just because Fowler is the only guy on the market who now fits the Jays' need particularly well? Just before this is answered, I'll let Nick go first. This actually was a question from Quinn. Why is everyone so in love with Fowler? (laughs) Well, like, I was was just going to bring up, uh, what you said about Ian Desmond last year was true of Dexter Fowler, too. He was was qualified. Uh, He was coming off his first full healthy season in a long time, in 2015, and nobody wanted to pay him last year. Except and, the Orioles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's true. Um, Angelos did bung that up, but uh, yeah, no. Fowler Fowler ended up going back to Chicago on a a one year deal for a song for um, less than the qualifying offer amount. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Same deal as Desmond. Yeah. So, I think to answer Quinn's question, it there might be a little bit of recency bias in 
in the love for everybody seeing for Fowler. That's not to say he's a bad player, though, or he wouldn't fill a very obvious need for for the Blue Jays either. Well, I think um, that's it specifically, right? It's not so much that people think he's this 393 on base percentage guy with the 447 slugging and the good defense. I mean, he should be a better defender in the corners, but he you know, he's got a career 366 on base percentage. He's a switch hitter. He should he you know, he has speed. He should play solid defense in a corner. He doesn't have the ability to play center that well, but we don't need him to do that. He just as it sort of came up in the original question from Greg, he just really perfectly fits a major hole for the Blue Jays. I want to hear you say something again. I want to hear you say, Josh, it's okay because we have Kevin Pillar. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Darn it. Wait a minute. We're recording this, aren't we? It's, everyone can hear it. Uh, that was implied, though. It was strongly implied. I, don't, I still don't know how we got there. We brought that up a couple shows ago, and it's still there. Because Kevin Pillar is the center fielder, obviously. Because that was what we were counting on. Um, <laughs> no, but in this sense, I just meant like if he's in the corner outfield, it's fine. You know, he's good. He should be okay there defensively. Still implied. Um, okay, so Dexter Fowler uh, should be a Blue Jay by the, well, basically by the time we release this show, that's usually when everything we talk about <laughs> yeah, goes exactly. out the window. So if you're listening to this, hey, congratulations. But now you just ruined it and you're going to make him sign with the Cardinals. Probably. Uh, I'm, I'm a big jinxer, really. Uh, so we have Jose Bautista news as well, but he has still not put his name on the dotted line anywhere. Although... Uh, Hazel May tweeted that uh, the Blue Jays met with his representatives, his camp, as it were. Nothing has come of that. But um, Baltimore. <laughs> but Baltimore. Baltimore. Uh, we know where Baltimore stands. Would you like to hear Dan Duquette now? His quotes? I think everybody would like to hear So Dan anyway, Duquette. it's just a really good rivalry. Did you tell so. it? The, the story's out there that the Orioles, I don't know about you personally, but the Orioles told Jose's people, we're not interested in signing you because our fans hate you. <laughs> I told the agent, I said, we're not interested. Our fans do not like your player. You said that you really? Said that? I told the agent that, yeah. Wow. Okay. Mark's. So that was a lot of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long chuckle. Like, uh, yeah. So Jose Bautista will not be a Baltimore Oriole. Is that even logical? Whether do you do you as a GM care whether your your fans like a player or not? I no. mean, I I think he's he's kind of just trolling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really I, funny though that he actually did say that to the agent though. I like how he called him the agent. <laughs> That's he true. Know his not name. JLU. <laughs> he for, I forgot his name. He's a guy. Uh, well, I guess my. My point of view would be, I could see if you said my clubhouse. I mean, it's easy to say my fans don't like your player. But I think what what would be more pertinent is if someone in the clubhouse really doesn't like Jose Bautista, whether it be Adam Jones or even Buck Walter, and, and one of those guys comes to you and says, I'm going to have a lot of problems if that guy's on the roster. Then, yeah, you you could certainly say that. Now, you don't have to tell the agent that, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, just rude. and then it's like now it's just out there it's like story after story that he said this it's like what are you doing Duquette you fool uh, you know, I, I do think he was joking and he did later say it's like well you know that could change if the price drops it's like <laughs> oh uh, everything has a, everybody has a price totally oh my goodness so do we think Batista gets more than a one year deal Nick 
Well, I mean, to kind of tie it into what you were saying about if somebody, if Batista's reputation around the game is kind of like, you know, Danny Valencia-esque, it might be more of a problem than we in Toronto maybe think it is. I have no idea. Maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. But um, if that if that is indeed a problem and he isn't like, then it might be an issue. Um, but I think in again, without being able to really comment that on that in any kind of meaningful way, the the biggest thing is probably the draft pick, and I think that's that's really going to be the thing that um, that's going to kind of hinder him. But at the same time, then, who's going to want to give up a, dra- a first-round pick to or a sandwich pick to sign somebody for only one year? So I don't think that he's going to get a one-year deal, but I think the amount of suitors um, to give him you know, two or three years is probably going to be fairly limited. Um, yeah, but I'm, I think if the Jays... If the Jays could get Fowler and Batista and call it an offseason, at least from the position player standpoint, I'd be pretty pretty satisfied with that. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, the, the Fowler is, of course, the bigger ingredient there, but <laughs> I agree. Uh, we have, though, seen the some of the StatCast pieces come out about Jose Bautista's gnome-like range, garden gnome, that is, uh, in, in left, and uh, we all know about his arm. I'm... Would they, you know, what what does left fielder Jose Bautista look like? Is that a realistic possibility, do you think? I think it has to be at this point. I mean, there's only so many places willing to play. And in that interview, Duquette also talked about how Bautista threw out his arm, showing off, trying to, or like getting angry, trying to throw Delvin Young at first base. It's not a secret around the league that he has no throwing arm anymore. So I think he has to make that decision. Yeah, so I think that limits him more, right? Because he, he's not really shopping himself as a premier right fielder anymore. No. I I think he's probably going to get more than one year. Again, I I, I would guess he's going to hold out for one year, even if the average value is less than whatever the um, qualifying offer was. Yeah, I think so too. It just doesn't make sense for him to take a one-year deal anymore. I mean, it's, he's getting old. Is it, the only the, sure he could come back and have another great season? But he's also, you know, going to be thirty-seven. <laughs> he's got to retire and, and run that booster juice in Toronto at some point. So he can't just can't play baseball forever. No, no booster juice jokes going. Okay, it's fine, guys. That's good. <laughs> uh, the other thing trying that, to leave that one for you that came out of the Bautista uh, tweets was that Bautista. Uh, or that Chris Iannetta was talking to the Blue Jays people and Bautista's name came up in some way, shape, or form, which means that the Blue Jays are talking and looking for a backup catcher and Chris Iannetta is on, on the list. Certainly the Jays need a backup catcher. Is is Chris Iannetta worth the investment, Josh? Yeah, I mean, as far as backup catchers go, he's not bad. You know, once upon a time, he was actually a pretty decent hitter too, but I mean, he's not Josh Tolley. <laughs> You know, he can he can play the position a little bit. He can he takes his walks. He's got some power. He's not a good hitter, but he's not going to just completely kill you, which is what you want from your backup. Fair enough. And you can now play him not just arbitrarily every fifth day because of the R.A. Dickey situation. So, yeah, well, I think that'll be the biggest part. It's like you know, I know has been a starter or a part-time starter for his you know, for the last five or five years of his career. 
you know, a guy who plays 90 to 110 games. And so you can have him play 40 games or 45 or whatever the number is that lets Russell Martin not wear down the way Russell Martin wore down. We're really hoping it's just a wear down thing with Russell Martin. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of Russell, I, I would like to give a shout out to whomever it was who suggested trading Russell Martin as a good starting point for things in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you're trying way too hard to figure things out here. Yeah, as, maybe uh, maybe as, the Rockies will take him to play shortstop. Hey. <laughs> no, that's what he's doing for a World Baseball Classic. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that, what, what did uh, <clears throat> Casey Stengel famously say? You you have to have a catcher, or you're going to have a lot of pass balls. <laughs> and given that the Jays wouldn't actually have a rostered catcher were they to trade Russell Martin, it makes for an interesting. Uh, how shall I put it? negotiating leverage point if you trade him away (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness uh blue jays minor league signing very exciting some people lost their mind i i i somehow managed to delete it delete the lose their mind people from my timeline here but uh brett oberholzer is coming to spring training for the toronto blue jays uh most significant thing about brett oberholzer nick his name is going to be hard to put on the back of a jersey, and, <laughs> and if I were we have to, <laughs> if I were yeah, if I were the Blue Jays clubhouse staff, I'd hold off on it uh, as long as possible. They could save, you know, if the payroll's tight, which they're saying, you know, they might be up against it once once they finish signing players, then maybe save some money on that that extra lettering and hold off until the twenty five man is announced. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all this, he's like talking about, well, I can be used as a left-handed reliever. He's worse against lefties than righties. He's not useful. <laughs> uh, he's left-handed and has a pulse. Er- therefore, he has a job. But uh, yeah, there, there are, n- there, there is no way to spin the numbers that he's had the last two years in the major leagues uh, as anything other than a uh, conveniently warm body. And I, I, again, I am not a baseball player. I would be not a warm body and I would not be convenient even though I'm left-handed. Um but he is he is not filling a hole in our major league bullpen. But like I said, welcome to Buffalo. It's a lovely town. Um <laughs> you can see Toronto from across the lake, I think, if you look in the right direction. Uh, uh it is unusual for me to do this, but I believe I'm not the one who's going to complain about the cliche this week. My I'm, turn. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, Josh heard uh, some terminology thrown around and you decided it was time to put it to bed have at her sir yep yes i did uh so when boston made the trade for chris sale naturally the blue jays talking heads came out there because that was a big deal big division rival gets an ace and then naturally at some point it turned to well if you remember you know the blue jays won the winter a few years ago and the marlins won the winter this is the dumbest thing you can hear it's like it's used as this way to casually dismiss as the the impact of offseason moves. The Blue Jays won the winter and then didn't weren't very good because they weren't very good before they made the moves. <laughs> Chris Sale, he just went to the team that won the division last year. It's a big deal. Don't try to minimize it. Would you, is there a phrase you would prefer or would you just like them to admit the whole idea that there is actually some kind of trophy? and or competition for seeing who made the most moves in a given offseason. 
I yeah, think it's that's also, the regular season. It's, um. it's, yeah, it's strangely implied, though. It's like, wow, your team didn't do anything. Okay. It doesn't. The hilarious thing, too, about the dismissal of, you know, like the impact of winter moves is like, okay, if this stuff wasn't important, you wouldn't have all been flown down to Baltimore or Washington or <laughs> wherever the heck you are to cover it. <laughs> yeah, if it was nothing, uh, you're absolutely right. It would actually be nothing, not the something that we've turned it into. I get the idea from a lot of tweets that there are certain people down there who didn't really want to spend a week in Washington in the middle of the winter or late fall, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why could it have been back in Vegas? We were attempting to uh, encourage some people to throw baseballs at the sculpture in the lobby that they took pictures of, which was a big Christmas tree with some spinning <laughs> stuff on it to see if it would do anything like a home run was hit over it. But uh, we didn't get any reports back. So maybe he did get busy down there. I don't know. That's the magic of Twitter. You can you can hassle people who are just trying to do their jobs for a living and, and try and get them to do baseball-related things in inappropriate contexts. Perfect! Uh, yeah, I mean, it's healthy uh, to try and cause mischief hundreds of miles away. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So nobody won the winter. Or if they did, <laughs> hey, it's okay. Uh, it's, it's okay to say, and I think, you know, this is just Josh's point rephrased, but it's okay to say that, like, you know, the Red Sox, like, really tooled up. They got really good. They they should be expected to be really good based on what they did. And I think that's totally, like, you're, Josh is right. Like, people like to not acknowledge it for some reason, or which they shouldn't. Yeah. Be, be scared. Be very afraid. Doesn't mean they're going to win the World <laughs> Series. Doesn't, doesn't mean the Jays are out of it. But it's okay to... It's okay to be kind of shaken in your boots a little bit, I think. I do yeah. think it's odd that all of these proclamations come out before the winter meetings are even over. Like, I understand. I know, there's still so many good players out there. <laughs> like, it's it's like you do one lap around the board of Monopoly, and you're like, ah, it's over. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> slow down. Some no one's even brought, bought the boardwalk yet. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I understand it was a big trade, and it's, it's definitely going to have an impact on the division. But it's... Who knows what's going to happen before opening day? That was like I, the, the one that I remember the most. And it's painful because it ended up kind of biting the, the Blue Jays in the end was the Jays traded for Mike Napoli. And everyone was trying to explain what role Mike Napoli would have on the team for four days. And then they traded him away. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe not... wait till all the chips have fallen. <laughs> like, OK, his role in the team will be to get traded. Uh, that was probably easier to figure out after waiting all of whatever less than 100 hours yeah we do have a do-over because there is a edwin encarnacion situation of course is still up in the air as we alluded to earlier and i we we think that that might be the responsibility of his agent um <laughs> possibly so what statements perhaps would would we retract if we were is it kinzer Yes, Paul Kinzer. Paul Kinzer. What what would we not have done if we were Paul Kinzer? Nick, do you have any ideas of what not to do? Yeah, kind of publicly saying, I didn't think the Blue Jays were going to move on after they told us <laughs> they were going to move on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I didn't expect they were going to fill the hole so fast. What did you think they meant when they said, we're giving you this deadline for this offer, then we're going to go after other pieces? <laughs> That was a bluff, clearly. That wasn't a bluff. <laughs> and the best part about it is 
they signed Morales, and he still was like, eh, you know, well, maybe they have another position open. We'll take our time. It's like they've shown they're going to make moves. You might want to pay attention. So what was he – again, and then I'm like, well, what was he doing with his time? Talking to the media. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, Edwin Paul Kinzer's first client? <laughs> <laughs> He might be his last client if this keeps up. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like, how did he not get any kind of read on the market? <laughs> Phones and people, buddy. It's probably going to be important. Um, yeah. So right now we're looking at uh, the rumor is nobody's even offering Edwin 360. And he yeah, turned that came down, from Jeff Passan. Yeah. Uh, and he turned down 480. So <laughs> I... Yeah. And now everyone's uh, thinking it's like he's going to end up with the Indians. The Indians don't have any money if he ends up there. It's like he took a big haircut. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's let's say if you are Paul Kinzer, that uh, really the best idea would be to figure out what you're doing and keep it to yourself <laughs> until your client has a contract signed. And then oh, could... I sorry. I gotta throw in one more note. Okay. Just one more thing he did earlier in the Austin. He's like, you know, you know, Boston doesn't seem to be too interested. Maybe don't tell the rest of the world that big money teams aren't interested in your clients. <laughs> yeah, right along and, with keep it to yourself. And to yeah. go to go back to to Desmond here, the new Rockies first baseman. Did Kinzer <laughs> not think to call Colorado? <laughs> you mean a right-handed like... power hitter in the thin air of Colorado would have? It might have worked out. Uh, amazing. I don't, yeah. Uh, okay, so I think generally we agree that nothing makes any sense, though. I think about half the things we've discussed make no sense tonight. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> we had the one question from Quinn. I don't want to skip the other question that we had come in on the pod. What was that one, Josh? It was just a joke, too. Awesome. <laughs> it was... Never skip a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was from Skeeter at Spezbaby. Do you think Rangers management care about their fans as much as Baltimore management care about theirs? <laughs> Jose Bautista, Texas Rangers would be like a fascinating psychological study. Look, I mean, I want Bautista back here and then probably in the National League or something, but it would be really funny for baseball if he was a Texas Ranger. <laughs> They've already got three outfielders, though, right? They've got Chu Mazzara and they resigned Omez. Omez? They could play first base. Yeah, they oh, need sorry. a first baseman. Oh, Omez was a reference to uh, <laughs> John Heyman put a typo out in his tweet yep. uh, announcing the signing of, of Carlos Omez. <laughs> Bob Nightingale actually congratulated um, Dexter Fowler, Dexter for Fowler the Rockies. Who, who has not yet signed a contract for signing with the Rockies and betting on himself. Um, yep. Also didn't really acknowledge that the fact that both Fowler and Desmond bet on their value last year and lost and had to take offers for less than what the qualifying offer was. Yep. <laughs> that tweet was a disaster two different ways. Uh, but he did not delete it. He owned it. You got to own the bad tweets when you're a national, uh, national media member. Yeah. Okay. I think we've, uh, we've covered everybody who's important and some people who weren't that important at all. But we've covered it. And so I will turn to you, Josh, first for your final thought, if you have one. Oh, and sort of going back to what we talked, some of the stuff we talked about earlier. So we've had the Eaton trade. We've had the Chris Sale trade. When was the last time that a team with 
as many good players as the White Sox has gone into full fire sale mode. I mean, they've still got Quintana. They've still got Todd Fraser. They've still got David Robertson, Jose Abreu, uh, Melky Cabrera, all useful pieces. And there's no reason to keep them anymore. It's it's like the rest of the market's like, uh, should we just go talk to Chicago or these other agents? I mean, what's going on here? I'm, I'm all Why aren't they good? I mean, all of those players are on great contracts, too. Yeah, it's really baffling. Uh, no, well, actually, it's not that baffling. The rest of their team sucks. Like, they're really bad other players. Tyler Flowers? Is he still a... No, he's gone. He's gone, too? I don't know. Couldn't keep him around, I guess. Um, yeah, I think that the problem is probably that they have about 10 good players, and then there's a steep drop-off from there. This is my guess, having not looked at Chicago's depth chart for a long time. <laughs> it's because no one cares about the White Sox. Uh, <laughs> It's like the Marlins back when they won the World Series, where it's just like, all right, everybody must go. <laughs> At least they won the World Series. Yeah. The problem now is the Cubs won the World Series, so nobody's going to White Sox games this year. Well, maybe that's, that's just they took it. It's like, well, the city won the World Series. It's time for the fire sale. Whoops. <laughs> Get rings made. Um, <laughs> all right, Nick, what do you got for a final thought? All right. So the thing I've heard got brought up uh, a couple times in in the last few days that i'm not too sure about i i really don't understand this idea that currency fluctuations affect the blue jays bottom line or, or or payroll um i don't know anything about running the financials of giant corporations but it seems very strange to me that a company as big as rogers communications wouldn't have any instruments to account for fluctuations in the canadian dollar I mean, I think, you know, anecdotally, like the, uh, the in air quotes business I work in, I mean, we take <laughs> steps to hedge against currency fluctuations and we do, you know, no business in the U.S. compared to, to a company like Rogers. Um, and they never talk about, too, the fact that they must be receiving substantial amounts of money in U.S. dollars from, you know, from like national tv deals or anything that flows down from the major league like you know a major league head office is going to be in u.s dollars um so i'm really kind of perplexed by the idea that currencies like the the canadian dollar would would really affect payroll um but again i haven't heard and i haven't really heard any explanations from anybody that kind of clearly lays out a reason why it would affect payroll other than just kind of the more general yeah, it's twenty five cents or thirty cents lower than the American dollar right now. Um, you you just so, gave yeah. me a flashback to back when this podcast was not called this name at all, and Josh and I had a very lengthy discussion about the same idea. Did we not? We did. It was almost <laughs> the exact same point too. So many moons ago. Yeah, and we still haven't got the answer. No. Yeah. But it, but it it comes up as a good scapegoat when the Blue Jays don't appear to be spending quote enough money unquote. But th these are not the interbrew days. For sure. Back when it was no. like, oh, we need to cut payroll, we need to cut payroll, we need to cut payroll. Gee, nobody's coming to games anymore. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing I think that kind of like gets gets peppered in with this is that the Jays seem to be kind of a uh, top 10 payroll TM. Like, tr like oh, no. they're a top 10 payroll. They're a top 10 payroll. And I do think they're a little bit more of like an average payroll than... I think we're acknowledging like the difference between the Jays at number 10 and the Mariners at 15 is I think like 6 million. 
And the um, difference between the 10 and 5 is like 40 million. <laughs> oh, yeah. And between 5 and, and 1 is like 80 million or something. Stupid so Dodgers. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying they're not spending any money, but they're, they are very much, I think, just kind of in, in that middle ground. Um, yep. And, and we all know, we all know why they should maybe, maybe be nudging up a little bit more than that. But I can't break any more furniture, so I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> Josh, you, you've, uh, I gave you an opportunity for a final thought, and now it looks like you're champing at the bit to make another final, final thought. I just have so many thoughts, Greg. I have the best thoughts. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> uh, so last podcast, we were talking about Andrew McCutcheon. Mm -hmm. This is the example of how not to do things. <laughs> Put it out really publicly that you're trying to get rid of your best player. And then get these offers that include star pitchers like Lucas Giolito take too long and have those players go to other teams and say, you yeah, know, we're going to keep them and put them in the right field. Uh, <laughs> so much. Maybe Paul, happens, Kinzer. Apparently. Paul Kinzer's in, uh, in Pittsburgh advising. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Hunt. All right. So my final thought is uh, I want to, I want to ease off any worries you guys may have about Steve Pierce. And I would do that by drawing your attention to a tweet from Ben Nicholson Smith. Um, ben talked to an, this is quote, talked to an exec who called Steve Pierce a baseball player earlier. Definitely a real compliment. And then in brackets, though I don't understand why. So, uh, lest you think, as the joke everybody else made, Pat Tabler doesn't do anything on the offseason. Apparently he's a baseball executive. Um, wow, good for him. Nice promotion. Second of all, I was happy because I assumed that uh, just without looking it up, that Steve Pierce was in fact a baseball player. Um, and now I, huh. I'm assured that in fact he is by someone in the industry still a baseball player. He's, he wasn't someone signed out of another sport randomly. Why do people say that? <laughs> <laughs> what oh, does it so mean? It means uh, that they didn't know what to say about the guy. And it's like, Quick look at baseball from place. He's their baseball player. <laughs> he knows which it's end like of the not bat loading properly. The stats won't load, but they see that he's got one. Got, he has the page. I mean, technically, you could have said of of, uh, of Michael Jordan that he was a baseball player. It's right. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna start using that one. <laughs> oh, all right. So that tells me that we have reached the end of our lovely little podcast. Um, <laughs> you have been Josh. Housem at Joshua Housem and Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 and uh, this was episode number 39 of the Artificial Turf Wars and we will see you uh, whenever news breaks or in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm.